Hi, how are you doing? I'm all right, how are you? Good. So, uh, my name is Richard Mitchelson. Sitting next to me is Ed Calburn, and we present a, well, what we thought was quite niche until we saw this room full of people, a podcast called The Cycling Jerseys Podcast. Uh, some people listen to it, a lot of people don't. Uh, <laughs> but we are here today, and we're actually recording our 10th episode of our podcast. Thank that, you. Wow, that was all right, actually. Thanks, everybody. So that will be in the podcast. Well done, everyone. That's good. Um, yeah, so we're recording this live, which is very exciting. And we are joined today by the brilliant Oliver Knight. And we're going to talk to him about his brilliant The Cycling Jerseys book. Is that so that's why we're here presenting. Um, I um, run Miltag Cyclewear in London, custom cycle kit. So I'm supposed to know a little bit about what... Oliver probably knows more about. Um, Rich, you should probably know, um, does a lot of the uh, portrait work for Rollo magazine. Um, So you'll know the name Rich Mitch, I'm sure. Illustration. Illustration. Did I say photography? (laughs) (laughs) So um, without further ado, Ollie, thank you for letting us do this. My pleasure. Um, Over to you. Go. Uh, Well, I'm delighted see everybody here, friends, colleagues, contributes to the book, and um, also for Rafa for being a huge supporter of the book, uh, a couple of their interviewers are in the book, also uh, we've got three launches held with Rafa here in London, we're in Amsterdam on Sunday, and then we're in New York in December, so a uh, big round of applause for Rafa, please. <laughs> and uh, yeah, the book has been uh, out now for about three, four weeks, um, been a two-year process bringing it to life. Uh, originally, it was produced with the publisher, uh, publisher issues, uh, had a kind of stasis for nine months. Uh, publishing rights returned to me uh, this May. We set up the Kickstarter, um, and now the book is out. Um, book originally started from my Instagram. Um, I started to amass more and more of these wonderful jerseys, a few of which you see on display here. Uh, put them onto Instagram. People kind of reached out and connected. Um, I had the opportunity to, I was asked by a publisher to produce the book and reached out to my Instagram followers and was amazed by the response. Uh, Rafa welcomed me to come and speak to their designers, uh, Castelli and Sportful in Italy, uh, collectors as well. We have Jasper the Diner here this evening from Belgium, whose Flandre jerseys are in the other room there. So you've got 18 years of Flandre jerseys, uh, which is quite a rare sight. And also David Evans, the menswear blogger, he's also in the book. Delighted to have him here this evening. Um, and we're just, yeah, we're kind of now working through these Launches. Cool. Am I talking too much? No, no? not okay, at all. Like um, how, how long have you been a massive Cycle Jersey geek? I'd say six, seven years. How, how, did, how did it start? Did it start by kind of collecting or is it through? Yeah, it all started by I photographed a vintage store in Paris for an editorial client. We kept in touch and I would pop in there and see what jerseys they'd have. They'd keep their best pieces sort of set to one side for me. And I just sort of came under, under the spell of them, you know, the kind of all the variations in type, the different material, uh, the little, little differences between but them. You're, you're obviously a cyc- cyclic fan pr- before that? or yeah, not, not necessarily. I mean, I used to watch a Tour de France growing up, but I, I wasn't, wasn't a massive cycling fan. I, w- I would say that my appreciation of cycling and the cyclist has first and foremost come from the jerseys. I've kind of done it the wrong way around. Do you feel like you were born in the wrong generation? Do you f- yeah, I've always kind of liked vintage stuff. I've kind of always sort of looked for things with an air of uh, uniqueness, uh, say that. 
Um, and the jersey just perfectly fitted that. I'm half French, and when I was a kid, I used to spend my summers in France, so, and I couldn't speak French at the time. So I would spend two weeks there, and I wasn't able to speak, and I'm naturally quite chatty. So I was kind of, it was a bit of a strange situation for me. So I think these jerseys, they kind of uh, reminded me of that, you know, these kind of, um, these strange exotic names, you know. I mean, a lot of these jerseys, they actually, the sponsors are quite mundane products. You know, Alpha Lum is sliding doors, Del Tongo is kitchens, GIS Gelati, ice cream. But they, they have a kind of... Yeah, a, we, a we've spoken previously on the podcast about that, how most people don't really know yeah. what the the yeah. sponsors are. But they sound great. You know. Of course. They yeah. sound brilliant. They all Just add to the gelati. wonderful history of the sport. I was, what's the sort of, what's your, uh, what's the earliest one that you've got? Or earliest. what's the first one that you got from your collection? Not necessarily here, but from just, just generally, the first one that really hooked you in. First one was, it was a um, club team jersey from the Belgian post office. Right. It was just a very simple black jersey with a red and yellow stripe across the chest okay. with a lovely kind of old post office symbol. Yeah, and it lovely. was Jasper. Jasper Dedine got in touch on Instagram. I hadn't set up um, the Three Back Pockets Instagram account. That's, that's where the whole book started, was with Three Back Pockets. But I just put that on my personal account and he got in touch and said, oh, do you know that's from the Belgian post office? And I was like, really? And it was quite interesting to actually investigate the background to these jerseys, where they come from. Um, so that was the first one. The oldest one I had is a 1959 Peugeot. Okay. Which um, Peugeot, as many people know, it has the black and white damier pattern. Yeah, is but there one here? I can't see one. Uh, there no. is a there is a little hint of it on that. There's gan, a hint of it on that. The, the one at the end there, the Gan yeah. Gan. So the Gan Peugeot, You've got the the, the the checkerboard on the yeah, sleeve. Yeah, superb. But 1959, for the majority of the team's existence, it was blue and yellow. Right. So and it's gorgeous, change stitched. And for people that you maybe don't know the history, where did the, where did the, where did the cycling jersey start? How did you, can you tell us about that a little bit about that? I mean, that was one of the fun things to research um, within the book. In, in the book, the second chapter is, is, is devoted to the creators, and within that, I look at the evolution of the jersey. Um, the first jerseys were just very utilitarian. Uh, race stages were a lot longer; people would cycle through the night, so they settled on wool as the best sort of all-purpose material. But they were very uh, rudimentary, um, and then they went through various changes. The early ones, they had pockets on the front because they believed that was best where to, to carry the load. Then they realized it was better at the back. Uh, front pockets got jettisoned. Um, so they kind of went through a lot of evolution. Then you had, they were made of wool um, because that was very, it, it, uh, it would wick moisture away from the body. It was settled on. Then they went to acrylic because it was cheaper. Then 85, 86, there was a huge sea change where all the manufacturers moved over to uh, polyester. Uh, dye sublimation happened, which meant you could print colours directly into the material. If you look at the Ren Reynolds aluminium, that's the only polyester one that's here. That's an early one, it's uh, 86, 87. And then they further changed when people started getting aware of aerodynamics, which is a relatively recent <coughs> concept. So um, one of, one of, that was one of the interesting things I, in, in the book that I read was, um, I couldn't believe that the first skin suit, 1948? Yeah, that was, uh, that was Fausto Coppi working with Vittori Gianni. Uh, Vittori Gianni was the first producer of cycling jerseys. Uh, so he, he, he feels like he's a very important character in the history that, that I mean, probably a lot of people here that have yeah, never heard of. Yeah, yeah. He, he started, he was first making clothes for the Milan Ballet and AC Milan uh, football team. And then he started kind of producing cycling jerseys and using fine sort of uh, 
tailoring techniques, Italian tailoring techniques. Um, and then the company was, um, he passed away, yeah. and the company was bought by um, Armando Castelli, whose son Maurizio uh, was a racer, but not a very good one. He was said to be raised on Fausto Coppi's knee. Fausto Coppi was a, the most famous Italian rider. And he worked with his father at uh, Vittorio Gianni, but he was interested in the modern concepts, got interested in aerodynamics, and he founded <coughs> Castelli in 1974. And Castelli were the first kind of manufacturer to really look at aerodynamics, aerodynamic studies. And they were, uh, before, going back to what you mentioned earlier, Vittorio Gianni were experimenting with uh, different materials. They produced the first silk skin suit in uh, 1946 for Fausto Coppi, because he was starting to be aware that the clothes could actually have an effect on performance. So how, 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 come, how come they, you know, or to my mind, um, it didn't seem there were the, there's that many skin suits sort of in the tour. I can't think of many I images, yeah, you know, in until maybe you know, the 70s, you know, yeah, really. Yeah, I, I think they just mainly used them in the time trial stages when it was simply you against the clock. Yeah. But then as... as as the sport got bigger and more money got involved and, you know, seconds were shaved down, could make all, all the difference, then there were all the, all the teams realised they had to It's quite amazing that, you know, you've got, you've got the difference of a woolen jersey and then something that's as, you know, probably tight-fitting as a skin, yeah. a, a silk skin suit. I, I, don't, I don't know how they managed to race in the height of summer in the Tour de France wearing a wool jersey going up the Mont Ventoux. I mean, I don't have, know. Have you, have you, do you wear them a lot to cycle in at all? I yeah. Do. yeah. <laughs> I heard that, but I'm probably not going to mention it. It could have been because of some other reason why they were good at going up hills, but well. <laughs> yeah, yeah, they, uh, you know, they, they did what they could. Yeah. It wasn't very scientific. Uh, uh, when we get to Festina, who were kind of busted for having a, a sort yeah. of, we'll get there. We'll, uh, right, right. yeah, I mean, we can we're gloss Do you do you have a favourite team kit? Through, yeah, it has like well, there are a few questions around this, but uh, I guess we can. If you want to, you know, no, nail I'm your flag to the mast. I was prepared for that question. Okay. For me, it has to be the Brooklyn team kit, which is the one there in the stars and stripes. It's a, yeah, it's a bit of a blunt object, um, an interesting background. A, a team with star Belgian riders, sponsored by an Italian chewing gum, dressed in the stars and stripes. You know, it's kind of yeah. Captain America meets sort of rural Europe. It's it's, it's sort of it does divide. It does divide people. People we've spoken to previously have. It's sometimes it comes it. up in the list of the worst, and and I for that reason about. that it's really like garish and spangly. Yeah. Some people aren't keen on spangly, no. but I I, yeah. I think it's great. So. Or then uh, Bianchi. Uh, next yeah, yeah, of course. Two along Bianchi yeah, Pietro, sure. the the sky blue, the the color that color has gone on to define Bianchi. Uh, Bianchi is one of the oldest Italian bike manufacturers, and that color first uh, came into use because uh, the founder of the company was asked to produce uh, one of these newfangled safety bicycles in 1900 and something for Queen Margherita of, of Italy. And he painted the bike light blue to match her eyes. Wow. And That's that great. colour went on to define the company. <laughs> That's amazing. Okay, it's good. It's I like that. It's good. <laughs> Pub quiz fact. I like yeah, that one. Go. It's a good one. Um, and over the years, obviously, and, and the people that you visited uh, in the book, obviously there's a lot of uh, kit manufacturers and makers in the book. Yeah. Um, and obviously we are sat in Rafa, but um, is yep. there a, do you have a favourite manufacturer? You can say Rafa, actually. I know we are just sat here. But it's, you know. Rafa, Rafa, I've got a lot of respect for Rafa. They, they came along at a time when they, they realised that 
not every cyclist wanted to look like a like a stereotypical yes. cyclist. Yes, yeah, a good point. That's in, a really in, good point. You know, and um, I think people are crying out for that, and that's yep. why they've been such a, a success. Um, yeah. So Rafa, I've got a huge, huge respect for them. Um, and then Castelli, Castelli, you know, I did, I just like the. The Scorpion logo and the the, the, the labels are gorgeous and um, there's this history there, you know. I think, yeah. Sorry, some of the labels that we've seen in the Castelli stuff, like just stitched, yeah, onto yeah. the shoulders. You yeah. know, it's amazing. They yeah. look fantastic. Yeah. So in in the book, you go through quite a lot of different um, teams um, in sort of chronological order. Yeah. yeah. I was just wondering, you know, how difficult was it to decide on that number of teams and you know are there any that now that you see the book in front of you that you actually regret not including i I had a a finite number of pages so that kind of made the 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 choice a bit easier but to be honest it it was my personal choice of teams you know i mean there's there are more jerseys in there from the sort of 60s and 70s because that's the year that interests me um but i tried to cover all, all the bases um do you do you think there is a second book then out there that you need to kind of already well, yeah, I mean, uh, the book uh, was actually finished in August of 2016. Uh, is that right? 2016. Um, so since then, a lot of the featured collectors, um, Jasper Dine especially, their collections have grown. Um, so it would be nice to sort of do a follow-up and look at how people's collections have grown and other people have reached out to me since to, to talk about being featured in the book. Uh, I, I'd quite like to... Someone asked me the same question about, about an, a next project. I'd quite like to do a kind of a a lookbook, just a lot of macro photography, looking at details, the sort of chain stitching, almost to fetishise the jerseys. Um, mm. Something like that, I think. Yeah, possibly. That sounds quite, that sounds even more niche. That's quite uh, impressive. Yeah, 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 <laughs> it would be an e- e-book. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> e-book only. <laughs> um, we, we, uh, we've spoken previously about how the, uh, the rides in certain jerseys can almost make that jersey stand out as a great jersey yep. so the events that happen in that jersey can then put in people's minds the fact that this is therefore a great jersey mm. when actually if you separate it and look at it from a design point of view yeah. it's bloody horrible yeah. so yeah, yeah, yeah. like my one of my favorite jerseys is the ADR jersey which Le Monde wore yeah, yeah. Uh, 87 Tour de yeah. France and actually when you look at it it's, it's not that nice but I, I love it but do you think that is the case and and are there certain jerseys in your collection or that you've seen that you know that, that sometimes people think or that, that, that people think are stunning when actually you know they're only stunning because of what we've seen them happening yeah, I guess everybody has their own sort of reasons to be drawn to them uh, Jasper's drawn to Flandre because he's, he's really into the history of, of cycling in West Flanders but really it's up to the individual some people some people they, they might like a certain team because they have a kind of family connection um, Really, it, it, it's up to you. It's, it's everybody's choice. It's very democratic. I mean, in the book, I, I wanted to photograph them in isolation. I wanted to, sh- in the jerseys chapter, I wanted to show the jerseys isolated against the white background so you were judging the jersey purely on its own aesthetic merits. Um, I find the, 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 the club team and amateur jerseys quite interesting because they don't have any famous riders attached, so you're judging the jersey purely on its own merits. And some of my favourite jerseys are from small small club teams and um, yeah can you name that you really do you like a small club that you really that you like at the moment yeah there's sorry. one the I've mic- got it's in the book to pass the mic around yeah, sorry I'll find <laughs> out. yeah it's a small team um, a small club team from uh, Resse Resse in Belgium I don't know if I'm pronouncing that right Jasper Resse yeah. 
but it's uh, made in Italy by Denti, a uh, very nice Italian manufacturer. It's uh, quite a simple design, kind of got, it's got the sort of V plunge, similar to the Brooklyn, that's in blue, bottom's in white, it's got Denti patches on the shoulder. And also when I bought it, it was full of moth holes and my mum stitched them all up lovingly, so that oh, added wow. some extra, you know, that, there's that. So well. th th that actually leads on to my next question, which is simplicity of design sometimes is seen as the best. I think uh, so. to, and the way to make a great jersey, do you necessarily agree with that? Or yeah. obviously in the 90s, we'll talk about that a bit later on, but in the 90s things got real interesting. Yeah. Um, so, and, 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 you know, great jerseys came from that period, but, you know, is simplicity still the key? Well, I mean, we've got a classic, <laughs> to buck that trend, a classic example would be the Mappe jerseys, which yeah. is the most hectic, mind-boggling jersey design. But it's so sort of perfectly conceived that it just works. It just yeah. sort of, it has this authority. Um, but I guess simplicity, yeah, you had the little Lavie Claire jerseys in the late 80s, which was based on Piet Mondrian's uh, paintings. Uh, you've got the Renault Jetain jersey, the yellow yeah. and black and white diagonal jersey. That they basically took the Renault logo, which is a diamond, and built the whole jersey design around that, which is, you know, brilliant bit of execution. And you've got it in the colours of a of a wasp, which is kind of you know nature's sort of warning colours. So it's, I think it's um, as long as they've got clarity, you know. I think from a design perspective, you know, you touch on it in the book as well when you speak to some of the designers, of um, the fact that everyone's kind of influenced from one another or from something specific that happens so you mentioned that you know when the when the, that Renault um, jersey came out for the next the next season there was two or three teams that happened to then have diagonal yeah. stripes yeah you've got the Geos at the front there that's kind of you know and, and I think you know that the also in uh, you know modern times you know we've seen like the Team Sky had black all yeah. of a sudden you've yeah. got loads of teams in black yeah 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 you know, um, I, I think that's a really interesting sort of thing that you, you picked up on. Um, that I kind of ho hope changes in future. I hope, hope that designers kind of look on things and go, we're going to do something totally new rather than copy. Yeah, there's but a lot of looking over their shoulder to see what other people are doing. But um, I think that works against them. You know, if you want your team to stand out in the peloton, you need to be... Well, it's an advertisement. I think that's the thing we haven't. Oh, yeah. We've so, got yeah, this. We've got. Happy, yeah. yeah, we've got. You know, twenty minutes in, and we haven't mentioned the fact that the whole point of these items are to advertise people's companies, um, and it's um, you know, it kind yeah. of never ceases to also amaze me sometimes how teams don't design something maybe as brash and as different as possible because that's the way that you get noticed you know we we talked about it on the podcast before of, yeah, you know yeah. if if you're really loud you tend to get mentioned a lot on the tour even if you're not performing very well yeah so i think that the bigger the sponsor the more the dialogue um between the jersey designer and them it has to go through more people it's something that alton uh alton coil is a designer at rafa he touched on that and he said to to, to bring out the sky um kit when it was being produced by rafa was was a uh, there was a lot of negotiation, a lot of talking within there, and he said that can lead to a safe design, mm. which you know I can. We can understand, understand. Yeah, yeah, and yeah. you know, also I think you know these days, whereas you know, um, I was amazed to hear earlier from Jesper saying how you know a lot of these kits that we're looking at here um, were replicas, and um, they were, it was probably the first sport to actually have replica kits made. Yeah. Whereas I think football shirts was 76. I think Admiral did the first ones with the England team and they were only in kid sizes. Yep. 
So, you know, this is like 15 years, you know, prior a lot of this stuff. Yeah. Um, and there's not know. much difference between the quality of the replica and the team issue stuff. They're, yeah. they're pretty spot on. Yeah. Next. <laughs> um, we talk about winners' jerseys <laughs> in, uh, in cycling a lot. And then, and recently we've got onto winners' jerseys. A lot of winners' jerseys in lesser races than the Tour de France are now yellow. How do you feel about that? It's a funny one because yellow has come to just Maybe, resemble yeah, the leader of the race, just, you know? It's, yeah, it's become the colour to symbolise the leader. Um, my thoughts about that. I mean, if, if Tour de France don't mind, I mean... Yeah, that's fair enough. No I guess if ASO ain't going to see you, it's not a problem, right? Yeah, I'm yeah. going to sleep over it. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> so, yellow jersey or Malia Rosa? It's uh, got... Um, uh, going to die. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah we can't. Marriage room, marriage room. My all the way. There we go. And I've heard she's a real, real keen listener to our podcast. She is. So. She is. Yeah, she's tuning in. She's actually kind of meaning in some questions now. <laughs> so I was just going to go back to the nineties. I think you know, it's, um, you sort of mentioned your favourite, and you're certainly your favourite era is quite um, uh, obvious. Um, do you think the nineties, you know, with the dye sublimation, um, they the designers started doing <coughs> everything and anything because they could? I think so. Yeah, I think so. Uh, it doesn't mean they should. Yeah, no, I, think, all I think they, was, they all of a sudden they had this freedom. Most of these jerseys here, the constraints were that they were set different coloured materials stitched together. So that's why you have a front panel, shoulders, side panel. But when dye sublimation came in, uh, example the Reynolds jersey there. They suddenly had the freedom to kind of break out of those barriers. When they f when the dye sublimation first came along, you could still they were still you could see they were still running the same kind of patterns as before. But then kind of it went mental. Then it went mental. It was still okay. Oh, late eighties, you know, seven eleven team, you know, kind yep. of based on then mid nineties it went a bit wrong. What? Uh, team Pulte. Oh, well, I was just going to say Pulte for me one is of the worst probably in Jersey design. It's a very garish kind of lime yellow and green. Zebra with a very disturbing logo. Toxic zebra. Yeah, yeah disturbing logo. The logo. The logo is something that I've only you pointed out to me recently, and I was like, it's like a cleaning product. It's like a flower, but it does not look like a flower at all, does it? It looks kind of. Yeah, you have to see. It's on page. Yeah, you'll have to buy the book. Yeah. Nice plug there. You'll have to buy the book to to really. Well, you've probably seen it before. To be fair, it's pretty horrible. Say is um, you know the fact that we talk about that kit and uh, yeah. some of the it's, uh, gone on to become infamous. it's become a classic yeah. and therefore has it not done a better job than maybe some of the stuff in that era that were maybe a little bit more it's been remembered safe yeah yeah it's been remembered possibly for the wrong reasons but we're talking about it. it's in the book you know uh, by merit. Um, by, I'm not sure what merit. Yeah, exactly, by merit of, of, of being bad. <laughs> of it being like yeah. full on, yeah. yeah. Oh, there it is, yeah. Page 39. Yeah, Page 39, this, this, there this it is. green and yellow. Yeah, it's quite spectacular. It's, um, yeah, the, yeah, the, the it's, logo. It's, it's doing it. It's, it's doing its thing. <laughs> next, next to Castorama as well. Castorama was yeah. a French hardware store and they decided to kind of dress the riders as if they worked in the hardware store in a little apron. Um, clever idea. Ultimately, quite horrible. I even, uh, but I do think Lauren Fignon could pull off anything, and he's probably the, the yeah, only person that could look. Work, cool. He had to work hard with that. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, 
I have a bit of a thing about national champions jerseys. Mm-hmm. Um, I think a national champion should be uh, shown off like uh, to its best. So, and so a national champions jersey like um, is it Arnaud Dumas this year, basically Mark Maddio's take is that is the same. Mm-hmm. So his usually the FDJ kit is perfect yeah. for that. But I'm not a big fan of uh, the modern take. Some modern takes on national champs is um, yeah. we'll put a flag on the kit that already exists. Yeah, yeah. I mean, most European countries, their flag is made up of three separate colours, so it's perfect for a jersey. We've got French national champion, Italian, Belgian. Oh, that's nice. Um, Thanks, glamorous assistant. <laughs> yeah, I, I don't know. You know, things change, and it'll probably come back again. You know, yeah. I mean... Um, Maybe sometimes things have to change for people to realise that it was actually perfectly fine before. Yeah, I think, that's, I think that is exactly right. That's a really great answer, actually. Because uh, it sometimes just feels like an afterthought hmm. or like some teams can't be asked yeah. to show off the fact they've got a national champion. Yeah. Yeah, so it's a shame, yeah. I think and it should, is a big, it's a big up. deal, yeah, and also it's like, country, a, you know, in your sport, yeah. but also it's like a PR thing as well because you will naturally, your eyes are naturally drawn to like these, yeah, because they're slightly different. Yeah. So yeah, yeah that's yeah. a quite interesting one. So to the modern day then, mm-hmm. um, how, how do you feel about the current design aesthetics of the Peloton when you look at it compared to you know, what you've got in front of you here? I mean, in a way, they're, they're so different to these jerseys we've got exhibited here, um, but times have moved on. But there are some standout kits. You've got Tinkoff there, um, very well executed kit. Um, Team Sky, I mean, we're going to keep talking about Team Sky. Um, I think that, you know, it, it's, it's one of those things, isn't it? I think the beauty of Team Sky is that you c- it's instantly recognisable. Yep. Yep. Um, and yep. I think too many you know, kits these days change, probably mainly because of the sponsors. So, you know, like I think what was the, the new Drapak kit yeah. came out, uh, was announced last week, and it's got pink on the shoulders. And yeah, it seems to be colours on the shoulders is the new thing. Lotto Sudal have, have got a similar thing happening. With but you know, yeah. Yes, yeah, yeah, the, the new yeah, Lotus yeah, Adalkin yeah, yeah, is very yeah. similar to the old Famer um, yeah, yeah. Merck's jersey, um, yeah. which I feel like it's a nod to the past, but did, it, did they need to do that? You know, yeah. you look back at Jesper's um, Flandria jerseys, and that is Lotto Sedal, isn't it? You don't yeah. need to change it. It's a classic, yeah. just yeah. red with yeah. a white stripe, yeah. just keep going. I good design will always, will always come around again. You know, good design will remain good design, and it will kind of be appropriated and sort of people pay homages to it and, and you know, I think it really helps the fans as well that they kind of you know you, you, I want to know that how a team has developed and who that team still is and I you know I always find it quite quite sad really that you know the likes of Rabobank were always or Escatel were orange you always kind of knew who it was yeah. and now that that the kind of the, the soul of the team's just not there anymore mm. um I guess, uh, maybe it's just a trend and it will, it will return to sort of... It's all gone a bit deep, hasn't it, really? <laughs> Sorry, this is not how we normally talk, to be honest with you. It's normally really daft. Um, <laughs> um, so, in the future... Mm-hmm. Right, we're in the future. Okay. We're all in our hover, hover cars, eating our di- dehydrated food. Yep. How do you see modern kit changing in the next you know, five to ten years? It's a big. We asked this question recently of we of uh, Matt Stevens, yeah. and he and he had some interesting takes on technology and wearables. Yeah, and I think the ergonomics will continue to get worked upon. Um, 
you know, watts per hour savings is becoming such a huge part of the sport now. You know, the jersey is now seen as a critical piece of racing equipment in its own right. So they'll they'll keep fine tuning the the ergonomics of the jerseys. The design, I'm not sure. I'm not sure. I mean, I think they'll continue to follow general trends in design as they pretty much always have done. I mean, that's why we had these, these exuberant designs in the 80s, which was generally an exuberant time. Um, these odd designs in the 90s. 90s wasn't a great decade for sort of design. Um, who knows? Who knows? I think it, it just takes a few key designers to bring out some groundbreaking designs and, and other people will react to that. Uh, that's really uh, brilliantly arched towards my next question. Thank you. That's very good. So we've talked on, about, on our podcast about the Canyon SRAM kit uh-huh. And how that yeah, is yeah, yeah. Uh, in the modern era is it a, is it the perfect kit? It's it's stunning. It stands out. The, it's got smaller logos of the of the uh, the sponsors, but, yeah. and so the kit speaks for itself. Yeah, doesn't need yeah. to be emblazoned. About the one that Alton designed. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I so mean, it doesn't need to be emblazoned with. And obviously we are saying Rafa, so you know we're not blowing smoke up people's yeah. arse. It's a nice kit. I, I love um, the story about <laughs> that. that the, it's it's a black kit with kind of multicolored sort of shots of, of lines going yeah, across yeah, it. Yeah. And the great story about that is that it was designed by Alton Coyle, who works for Rafa, and he said his inspiration was he walked past a, a builder's site and there was um, stand clear tape or electrical tape wrapped around a pylon and the diagonal pattern was overlaying and he took the direct inspiration from that. So I think it's a beautiful, a beautiful story to a, a great execution. It's probably something that you see you know, 10, 15 times in a, in a week in London, yeah. but you just sort of take it out of context, put yeah. it on a jersey on a rider's back. Yeah. Um, could you could you see it uh, maybe setting a starting to like what we said with Sky? Is it going to hopefully set a trend in the right direction for design-led kit rather than so, sponsor-led I, 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 kit? I've got a feeling that the, the, because of the sort of pressures of sponsorship, you know, designs have uh, yeah. have now become safe. You, you know. You will you will not get that yeah. much risk taking now. Because I think that's fair. You know, if if I've spent X million on having my yeah. my kit, well, yeah. my name on your kit, yeah. it's going to be really, it's, it's going to be big. It's to the <laughs> yeah, it's to the the detriment of, of the designs really. The safer the design. I mean, you look at Mape. Mape was one of the most successful jersey designs. Made huge um, returns for their company, who produced tiling, grout, and adhesives. Um, but it, it it made the company a fortune. You know. And what about the, we're seeing more and more that teams are actually having, you know, almost two, three kits a year. I think that's great. Yeah? Yeah, I think it's brilliant. From a collector's point of view, from just, you know... Um, yeah, I think so. Yeah. Rare, rarer pieces, you know, the, the, the Tinkoff training kit that had this kind of... It was Dacha. a Dacha, yeah, it was kind of... Dacha is a... What's the word for... A, a it's a Russian, Russian holiday home. Yeah, Russian holiday home. It was a team that took... It was a team. It was, it was a, yeah, it was a design that took its inspiration from a ship's camouflage in the Second World War, which was that kind of black and white geometric... The first style. World War, I think. First World War. Oh. Designed to break up the silhouette. And he just... Um, and the, there's an interview with the designer of that kit in the book, um, Enrico Bezio, who works at Sport 4. Um, I think that that's that's the thing that you know I, I was most excited about actually you know being you know designing myself you know is is to read you know what the, some of the other creators where they get their inspiration from from yeah, yeah. Um, to create some of this and I think you know we mentioned before we started tonight I'd love to have you know some of the people that design some of these classic yeah, kits yeah. you know we, we, yeah. on stage or We've just got no idea who, who you know who's you know, behind them where, where did it you know. where did it come from yeah. you know because they're so amazing. Um, I think it's yeah, lost for words when it comes to the old stuff. Yep, you and me both. Not ideal. 
No, not ideal when we're sat here talking. <laughs> um, if I was going to start collecting jerseys yeah. today, because yeah. you've inspired yeah. me, yeah. Okay. Um, <laughs> um, would uh, what? Uh, how do I go about starting to collect cycling jerseys? What are the are there key pieces, or is it just what I what I, I really I, dig? I think the the best thing is just to go for for pieces that you like. You know, um, now the, the 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 market has changed because you have a finite number of these jerseys left that aren't being produced anymore. You've got more and more people sort of looking for them, and the price are they all sat in this room? Are they? <laughs> yeah, well, Jasper's one of one of Europe's biggest collectors, and in the book we talk about how the market has changed, and I think an, um, an air of innocence has, has gone from it now because you know the, the main outlet is eBay, and people will just be jumping onto um, wool era jerseys as soon as they appear. Prices have gone crazy, and some people I think are now seeing them more as an investment, right? Know, um, and it becomes a bit of an undertaking, you know, when you have yeah. a 150 wall jerseys, you know, it's, it's quite a, you know, if you talk to your home insurance, you know, you yeah, realise, oh, hang on a second, you know. Yeah, you've um, got to put them somewhere, aren't you? But I think just get into it, you know, for your own passions. If you're into typography, collecting from typography, if you're into it because of the riders, if you're into it because of certain teams, just do it for what, what inspires you. You know, there's no right or wrong answer, you know. My, my, my personal interest is new old stock. You know, I love coming across jerseys from the mid-70s that have never been worn, they're in pristine condition. Mm. There's something like walking on a freshly fallen slope. Yeah? Um, right, yeah. Whereas other people, they'll go for jerseys because they're worn by a certain rider, Yeah. Um, get them framed up. I wear all my pieces. I, I, right, well. You know, I, I believe they, you know, they were designed to be worn and, and I try to wear them as often as I can. Um, right. Yeah. And would you could you ever imagine there being a cycling jerseys museum? There are. There are. I know there is a, there's a Flandrian one, right? There's yeah. a... Yeah. Freddie yeah. Freddie Martins has he got a kit? Is um. There's a museum from Tour of Flanders. Yeah. In, uh, in Odenade. Yeah. And there's a cycling museum in Lucerne. Right. Okay. Just just with cycling jerseys or. Jerseys and bikes. Bikes. Okay. Right. Well. I, I think as time goes on, more and more designers um, will start to sort of see these jerseys as a huge untapped resource. Um, there was a, a Kenzo show a couple of seasons ago, and yeah, they had I saw a complete that. rip off of the yeah. uh, Wick Splendor. It was just this the one closest to us, complete copy of the jersey. It keeps coming back, doesn't it? It's never going to go away. Yeah, yeah. And I mean, in, in the, there's a, a guest piece written by Josh Stims, who's a menswear correspondent. He talks about how there's been a history of people um, dipping into these jerseys. The mods in the 80s picked up on them because they were because of the fine cut. They were rare. They were Italian. And they um, look great with a pair of jeans. Great with a pair of jeans. Um, you can't say this. You can't say the same for kits these days. That's the one of the, the problems. They, they will never go away. I mean, you've got the Palace, which is one of the most trendy sort of uh, skatewear yeah. labels at the moment. They've done a straight rip off of the uh, Panasonic Panasonic jersey, which it says Palasonic, and their latest video is called Palasonic. Um, so yeah, they're, they're kind of they're such a rich sort of library. Um, that I'm, I'm sure we'll see little things popping You're up. You're not going to get people wearing um, Cipollini's skin suit that out clubbing or anything like that? No. He had a skin suit which was basically replicated the muscles of the body. It's as if he'd had his skin torn off. So here's if he'd been flayed. He got so. fined for it as well, didn't he, I think? Probably. Yeah, yeah. that's Cipollini. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Sold for £40,000. Or 40,000 euros, maybe. Yeah. Yeah, yeah it wasn't me that bought it. No. Yeah. Are you sure? I know you really like it. <laughs> so, we have a set um, 
set, a set of questions that we always ask our guests on okay, the podcast. Okay. So, your favourite jersey of all time? Uh, Brooklyn. Brooklyn. Yeah, we team. spoke about that earlier, so yeah. that's good. Tick. Yeah. Yeah. Well done, everybody. Okay. Uh, <laughs> and the favourite from your collection? I'm, I, it might be the same answer. Or it might not, because um, it may be a different reason. That's a very expensive Which question. Which one would you save from a fire? Which one would I save? Oh, that's a, yeah. Yeah, Rap, Brooklyn, Brooklyn, yeah. Brooklyn, Brooklyn, Brooklyn. Yeah. Wow. I've got three of them, so one of the three. And which is the worst of all time? Team Pulte. Team Pulte. It's just uh, <laughs> there's the the Tom Tom Tappy, the guy with the kind of the guy carrying a carpet with a moustache. That's that's pretty bad. Yeah, but it's it, but it's sort of good bad. But, but when you say Team Pulte, there's a real wild look in your eye of like terror. <laughs> it's just yeah, it's just it's just aggressive on all counts. You know, it's just uh, just it's offensive. And uh, the final question: mm-hmm. coloured shorts. Discuss. Look yeah, at the they, look they, on they, everyone they, around here. Look, look, they, college shorts. Everyone's like, yeah, I like college shorts. The guy next to him is like, no, I bloody hate them. Black shorts, pal. All I, the think, way. I think they should remain black. Black. Because it balances out the jersey. It was sort of the black shorts act as a kind of a, a base to draw attention to the jersey. But then you could argue that um, you have a kind of continuity. Yeah, I don't know. No, How do you feel about the, yeah, F, um, the, brown, the brown shorts of uh, ag 2 l Mondial? Because we like them, the skin, so they're... The skin-coloured ones, <laughs> yeah, i like brown, like proper brown. Yeah, 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 yeah. not convinced. It's not like... No, no, no. <laughs> no I can't really. No. I'll take that as a no. No, no. a no thank you. That's a no. Right, brilliant. Okay. I think we're about done, unless there's anything else for you to uh, add. Just to say a huge thank you for everyone coming down. Oh, yes, of course. Yeah, I was just going to say... Um, however, right. anyone got any questions? I'll run out with a microphone if anyone's got any questions at all that we've not asked. Here we go. I'm, I'm running. It's like challenge Annika to this gentleman with the hair. Um, I was wondering, like, what do you think of the, the Rafa? Like, they do, like, limited release jerseys, which they yeah. do, like, specific designs for. I, was, I, think, they're, I think they're fantastic. That? I think they're fantastic. One of the ones discussed in the book was uh, a, a jersey paying homage to Marco Pantani. Um, and it was great because it's, it's a great jersey in itself, but within that are a lot of details about his life. You know, there's a lot of things to sort of decode. And, and that was um, Alton, uh, designer for Rafa, who produced that. And Alton really goes deep into a cyclist's life. You know, he really kind of wants to know what made them tick. And there's fantastic little sort of nods there. Uh, Pantani was a, a very, um, one of the best uh, attacking climbers. And he had a little routine. He, he, he lost his hair and went bald. And he, had, he wore a bandana. And one of his little routines was that when he was getting ready to uh, attack a climb, he would cast off his bandana um, to sort of lighten the load. And that was a sign that, right, you know, Marco's going to go for it. And then he would ritualistically shed all the, the sort of spare weight on his bike. He would get rid of his water bottles. And towards the end of his career, apparently, when he was doing very well for himself, the last thing he would shed, he always wore a diamond earring. And he would cast away the diamond ear- earring. And that's there in the jersey. There's a little diamond. There's a little nod towards his um, his mum's uh, patisserie shop. Um, I think they're great. I think they're great because they, in itself, it's a great jersey. But then if you look on a deeper level, it's really looking at the history of the sport and it's really getting people to kind of um, appreciate um, the heroics, really, of these of these riders. So I'm a great fan of them. Brilliant. Does anyone else have a oh, yep, question here from the chat? Um. I've, I'm after a jersey which is super rare. I was talking to your, your girlfriend earlier, which is a team from Italy, mm-hmm. only available only around in one year, which is 1979. Yep. Fast Gadget. 
fast. Uh, interesting, what was it? I was presuming it was like some kind of uh, instant coffee maker. It's not. So I found out, so I actually got a postcard mm-hmm. from it. This is how it, it's a cool design. It's black, yeah. red, and white. Mm-hmm. Really iconic. Mm-hmm. So fast was actually was a, an early version of an instant um, latex filler to, to, to seal. All right, guys, in fast drying. Fast. So that was the fast. And so the fast is completely separate coming to Gadji, which I presume to, to, to yeah. the Obviously, we know what Gadger is, but yeah, it's, just, it's a really cool team. And apparently, they're from, according to Herbie Sykes, I was listening to in, they're from um, Piedmont area somewhere. But yeah. if, you can, um, if you can find that, would be fantastic. I've got an idea for you for your next book. <laughs> Putting an order in. Yeah, okay. yeah no, exactly. I've got an idea for you for your next book. How about this, right? How about if you got hold of jerseys that had been crashed in yeah. to tell the story of the crash? Yeah. I mean, people, they do like to have the kind of added history injected to them. And I think that's, whether it's, you know, uh, for good reasons, bad reasons. Um, Alton, he was mentioning me, he visited a very uh, collector of jerseys in Italy. And he had lovely woolen jerseys from the 40s, 50s, 60s. Um, His prized possession was a a base layer from um, Batali. And it was simply because that was, was worn next to his skin. It was something that, you know, w- was, was not a, a professional piece of kit. But he said, you know, for him it had that connection. Um, so, it's a, you know, there's a, it's a very visceral sport. Um, but I just think there's, there's, there's great history in there, you know. I mean, if you look into the history, the story of Marco Pantani, it's one of the most romantic, tragic stories in cycling. Fausto Coppi um, similarly was fated. He had a similar fall from grace. Um, there's a lot of, lot, of, lot of stories in there. When you scratch the surface, you realise just how, how rich it is. And I think the jersey sort of sums up that because that's almost like the rider's sort of badge of honour. That's what they represent. Um, so it's, um, the, the history aspect is, is fascinating, I find, as too. It's good, though. You're getting your order in, just in case yeah, you found it. it. That's, that's, that's I'll brilliant. I'll search on eBay for you. We, uh, we, we were recently talking to Ian Cleverley, uh, ruler editor, and he mentioned a, a kit called Mini Flat Colnago, which we've never heard of mm-hmm. before, but apparently it's, that was That's his favourite jersey of all time. Yeah, it's beautiful. It's beautiful. Apparently Paul Smith has one as well, and he was like, as soon as he saw that he'd had one yeah, as well, he was just Pirelli like... was a secondary sponsor. V, VDB, Jasper? VD... Right. Yeah, ice cream. Um, all right. I've got the cap. That's as close as I've got a cap. Okay. <laughs> I missed out on one about five years ago on eBay, and it still hurts, so I just... Okay. Oh, oh <laughs> sorry. That's the thing. It's sometimes it's not the jerseys you get; it's the ones that you miss. It's yeah. the chase. Because that's the thing. When a jer- when a jer- jer- jersey such as these, when they pop up, you do not know when you're going to get another chance to to come across one again. So, yeah, all the collectors. There we go. This was this was from um, reputedly Eric. Vlamic, who was a crosser, cyclocrosser, and mm-hmm. this is his. This was a, a press launch, obviously for the Brooklyn chewing gum, and this yep. is the story. But I think it's interesting because when I was a kid, so I'm like in my fifties now. But um, Bazooka Joe was the was the chewing gum of choice in the seventies. If you're okay. a kid, and it was which was American Bazooka Joe. Yep. So of course the Italians thought we're going to you know do some chewing gum. We've got to give it an, an yeah, American yeah, name because yeah. anything that was American was going to yep. sell. Yep. So hence they called it Brooklyn yep. chewing gum with a Brooklyn bridge. Yep. Um, and and the, this bright colour was, was it, which was which is kind of jokey because it was, yeah. It was, who's ever heard of Brooklyn chewing gum anyway? It disappeared. That's the thing. It's it's yeah. it's still only really sold in in Italy. Ed kindly got me a packet. You know, yeah, I we ha- we have some here tonight. Actually, it's, it, the Brooklyn kit is a fascinating story. Um, 
you know, in the riders chapter, I looked at iconic rider and jersey combinations, and one of them is Roger Devlamic and Brooklyn. But I found the actual story of the Brooklyn team was more interesting. Um, apparently, it all stemmed. There were lots of uh, GIs stationed in, um, in, um, in Italy at the end of the Second World War. That led to the Italians sort of falling in love with American culture, all facets of it. And one industrialist spotted a gap in the market and started producing chewing gum. It kind of went bananas, did really good money. He wanted to promote the brand further, sponsored a cycle team, started talking to Alberto Gios, and they kit the team. And Gios, they painted the bikes blue to match the Brooklyn team kit. So, and now Gios has um, gone on to be defined by that colour, it's Gios blue. Um, but it all stemmed from the chewing gum. So, and you can still buy it today. I've got a packet somewhere. Yeah, I'll try right. one later on and let you know how it is. <laughs> right. Any other questions? Anybody? Okay. Fantastic. Right. Well, I'll go and return to my chair. <laughs> so thanks again, everyone, for coming tonight. You now have an opportunity to um, buy a book. Yep, I'll be signing books. Those of you who haven't got a copy already, we've got a limited number of copies here. And um, here's one here. Um, and really, I want to say that the, 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 this whole book really started with Instagram. It was really just through me um, sharing my, my pictures on Instagram that, that you know, I, led to me making these contacts. So I think the, kind of, the community is really important. You know? um, so if you'd like to follow my Instagram, that's the main outlet. Um, it's three back pockets. Um, get in touch, get involved, and um, keep the kind of energy going. Brilliant. Okay, that's fantastic. Thank you very much. We are at the CJ Podcast on Instagram, as we're talking yep. about that. Um, I've been Richard Mitchelson. And he's been Ed Calvert. Always. Thank you. And uh, thank you, everybody here, for coming. Thank I you really all. appreciate it. Yep. And uh, thanks a lot. Cheers. Stay stylish. Cheers.